Come on and lift your worship unto him. We worship Jesus. Yeah. 
worship you we bless you we give you praise we give you glory we give you honor we magnify you we worship you oh God we lift you up Lord we magnify you we glorify you we worship you oh God we praise your holy name 
We thank you, Lord God, for your presence in this place, oh God. Have your way. Move by your spirit. Do only what you can do tonight. Speak to each and every one of us. Let there be a fresh word tonight, a fresh anointing. Let your glory be revealed tonight. Do only what you can do. We worship you tonight, oh God. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. Open up our hearts tonight that we may receive the word of God. Open up our minds that we may understand, our ears that we may hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Open up our eyes that we may see clearly. I pray that not one person will leave this place the same tonight, but every one of us will have a life-changing experience with you. Let the engrafted seed of the word of God, let it be deposited deep into our hearts tonight. Let there be a fresh word tonight. Let there be a fresh revelation tonight. And Lord, for it, we just thank you. We bless you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, let's just give Jesus a praise tonight as we get ready to enter into the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. All right, we're going to get right into the word. Just come on down. Just have your seats, and let's just get right into the word of God tonight. Amen, amen, amen. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Yes, yes, yes. Father, we just thank you and worship you. We glorify your holy name. We worship you. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Amen, amen, amen. All right. How you guys doing tonight? You guys good? <laughs> All right. Glory to Jesus. We're going to get right into the word of God tonight. Just um, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. We're going to pick up pretty much where we left off last week, but I want to expand um, a little bit of what we've been speaking about. You know, tonight primarily is for leadership development, specifically as it pertains to us getting ready to move to the new location and kind of what we what we're going to have to face as we begin to minister to people. And um, God really spoke to me, I believe, with this message that I'm going to minister to you tonight. But again, uh, Matthew chapter 12, we're going to read there verses 43 through 45. I read this a couple of times, but I'm going to give a, a new twist on it so that we can dig a little deeper into it. So it says there in the Amplified, now when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, it says it roams through waterless, dry places in search of rest, but it does not find it. And it says, then it says, or the, the, the spirit, this unclean spirit, it says, I'll return to my house from which I came. 
And when it arrives, it finds the place unoccupied, swept, and put in order. And it said, then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and make their home there. And the last condition of that man becomes worse than the first. And it says, so will it also be with this wicked generation. So we went over the scripture a couple of times. But um, just to kind of put it in context, so this, this person has been demon-possessed. And it says that when this spirit, this unclean spirit, has been cast out of this man, the spirit itself begins to roam and look for a place of rest. But that spirit can't find rest. See, I've mentioned this before, but, but demonic spirits, they don't have a license to touch this natural world. And we talked about just a little bit about the makeup of man. You know that we, we are a spirit. We live in a physical body. And we have a soul. We possess a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. So um, this spirit, it doesn't have a body. So if you don't have a body, you cannot touch this physical world. And spirits, unclean spirits, desperately want to touch this world. And the only way they can do that is through a person. It has to get on the inside of somebody and begin to touch this world through somebody. So now this spirit has been cast out of this person. And as a result of being cast out, it has no way to make a connection with this physical world. So now it tries to find a place of rest, a place to occupy, really more than likely looking for another place, person to get into. Now, when he finds that he can't do that, he says, I'm going to go back to my home. <laughs> I'm going to go back to where I came from. And when it goes back to that person and it finds that that person has not been, um, you know, everything is swept and everything is empty. That person is clean, no devils in them. He says, I'm going to go right back into my house. And but what he does, though, because now these spirits have personalities. So this spirit is probably thinking, you know, I got cast out one time before. So I think I'm going to need to get me some reinforcements so that this can never happen again. So he goes and gets seven more wicked spirits than himself. And the Bible says they go into that person and begin to occupy him. And it says that the last condition of that person becomes worse than he was the first time. Because before he only had one devil to contend with. And now he got eight devils. So, you know, that's what begins to happen. You know, the devil, this is what happens with demonic spirits. What I wanted to talk to you about tonight wasn't that. It really was about how did this happen in the first place? You know, how does this happen? And I just put here, you know, we've gone over the scripture in previous sessions, um, but I just wanted to look at it with fresh eyes. And I put here first, did you ever wonder how this man got possessed by the spirit in the first place? And second, after he was delivered, how was the devil able to get back in with seven more wicked spirits? That's the question that we need to ask. And I want to address, you know, this, but I'm not, I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list about how many different ways a spirit can get on the inside of somebody. Of course, you know, you can mess around witchcraft, you know, play with Ouija boards and stuff like that and start fooling around with, with the occult and stuff like that and you start messing around with those things, you know, the devil will jump on you. But that's, that's not what I want to get into tonight. But definitely, if you start playing with 
the occult and witchcraft and stuff like that, the devil will, will get on the inside of you. But I want to talk about some ways that we will more than likely see how um, people get possessed that we're going to be ministering to. That's what I really want to get into tonight. So I put here, um, I want to give you an idea of what could happen to someone. And especially people that you may encounter while evangelizing. And I put most of the people that we're ministering to have opened themselves up to the devil primarily through drugs, alcohol, and sexual immorality. Those are some of the main ways that the devil can begin to find a place in your life through drugs, alcohol, sexual immorality. Through these mediums, demonic possession is possible. You know, it can take place as a result of it. So turn your Bibles to Revelation, cha Revelation chapter 9, verse 20 and 21. Now, this is where this particular message came from. I'm, I'm reading the book of Revelation right now, and it's really just... Uh, it really messed me up, bless me, just messed me up. Revelation chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. Now, this, these, what's happening now is Jesus is opening up the seven seals. And really, these are the, la the plagues, you know, that are going to, you know, take out mankind at the very end, you know. And it says here uh, in verse 20, it says, The rest of mankind who are not killed by these plagues did not repent, <laughs> even then, of the works of their hands. So with all of this, you know, the amazing thing is all hell's going to break loose. <laughs> and when all hell starts breaking loose and different, you know, earthquakes are happening, all kinds of stuff are going down in the last days. And it says, even then, people are not going to repent. It says, they did not repent of the work of their hands. In other words, they didn't repent of their sin. So as to cease from worshiping and paying homage to the demons and the idols of gold and of silver and of bronze and of stone and of wood. In other words, they're not repenting of worshiping money or material items or possessions. And then it goes on to say, which cannot hear, they cannot walk, they cannot see. And this is what I wanted to get to. And it says, and they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their sexual immorality, nor of their thefts. Now, the word there for sorceries is not just magic incantations. <laughs> the word there for sorceries is the word that we use directly for drugs and intoxication. And so I put here, you know, in the last days, the book of Revelation mentions quite a few plagues that will kill a third of mankind. After all this, the Bible says that people still won't repent of their works, their murders, their thefts. They will not cease to worship money and material possession. But what's also interesting is that they won't repent of their sorceries, which is actually the word, again, for drugs and intoxication. So when the Bible says sorcery, here in this particular scripture is not just talking about magical witchcraft or voodoo. We are talking about people that are using drugs and are drinking alcohol. The word for sorcery here is the Greek word from pharmakia. 
F-A-R-M-A-K-I-A-H, which is translated into the English language as pharmacy or medication. So these are people that are taking either illegal drugs, prescription drugs, or alcohol. And I'm talking about prescription drugs, of course, in an abusive way, right? So according to scriptures, this is a form of magic or witchcraft. Pretty crazy, right? <laughs> so this includes, again, the use of prescription drugs in an abusive way, illegal drugs, or alcohol, or anything that will intoxicate you. And the Bible calls it sorcery. And I put here, intoxications is one of the main ways that a demonic spirit can gain access to a person's physical body. And I put, if you've ever been drunk before, you know that you're no longer in control of your body. You know, in fact, you know, if you look at some of the uh, liquor stores, you know, if you ride by them, you'll see the word is, it, it's wines and spirits. <laughs> see, it's a form, they, they, they call them spirits. It is, it's a spirit that begins to enter someone. And I put here, you know, um, you begin to do things and say things that you would never do or say if you were sober. Right? It's because you're not in control. You know, people, of course, they call it liquid courage. <laughs> but it's really a demonic spirit that is expressing itself through the person. That's what it really is. And the more intoxicated the person becomes, the more they give the demonic spirit control over their physical body. I remember, remember again, spirits don't have bodies, but they want one. So they can touch this physical world. But they can only do it through you, through a person, right? So when a person opens up themselves to drugs and alcohol, they begin to give the devil a place. They begin to give the devil access to their physical body to be able to use it until the intoxication wears off. I mean, you've seen it, you know, and, and you've probably been there. I know I have. <laughs> I know I got real bold when I got a couple in me. I remember I used to, you know, I used to, I used to start drinking before I got there. I ain't drink at no, I ain't drink at no bar, man. I got drunk before I got there. And I was already ready. And you know the crazy thing? You know the devil had me so, <laughs> he had my mind so fried and messed up that I really literally believed that I drove better when I was drunk. <laughs> I tell you how crazy your mind can get when you start drinking and stuff like that. I really believe that. I never forget how God saved my life one day. I was at this party. I was drunk like crazy, man. And I used to drink 32 ounces of Old English. <laughs> that was my thing. 32 ounces of Old English. So I drank this thing, man, and, you know, me and my friends were in my car. Now, I always, had a, I always had a booming system in my car. So we're driving and it was raining like crazy. I'll never forget it. We coming back from a party. It's raining like crazy. It got to be like 3 o'clock in the morning, something like that. And I'm drunk out my mind, and I'm driving. And I'm coming up Central Avenue in East Orange over by McDonald's. I'll never forget it. We're driving up the street, and I mean, I got the music blasting, man. 
Now, I mean, I'm in, if somehow I fell asleep at the wheel. I'm driving. I fell asleep at the wheel. And it was like God shook me or something. And I woke up just in time. And, I, and it's raining, like pouring. And the light is red and the car is in front of me. I said, I mean, I just missed this guy. I would have smashed right through him. I'll never forget it. I pulled, remember, I remember I pulled into the McDonald's and all my so-called friends jumped out of the car and they left me by myself. <laughs> but unbelievable, man. But in my mind, see, the devil crazy, man. He trying to kill me. In my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I drive better when I'm drunk. I'm good. I would drink and drive all the time. I mean, all the time. But see that, and then I would have courage, man. I would be talking to all the women and stuff like that and doing my thing. You know, I had this courage on the inside of me. And I thought I was invincible. You know, I'm ready to fight, ready to do whatever, you know. I mean, because, you know, you got this, but see this, this demonic, I don't know, I don't know this then, but this demonic spirit has a control over me. And it's using me to touch this physical world. And see, that's what people begin to do. They surrender their faculties, you know, to a spirit. And that spirit begins to operate. And see, people begin to, you know, every once in a while, and then eventually that thing gets a hold of them. And same thing with, with drugs. And then the person becomes dependent on it, you know, and then they can't get away from it. So, you know, I started thinking about this, you know, well, why do people... Uh, begin to take drugs and drink alcohol. And of course, while there are many reasons why a person, you know, begins to drink and uh, take drugs, the primary reason that people do this is because they want to change something about their lives. It's like a very overarching reason. They want to change something about their lives. That could be a lot of things. You know, that could be, you know, I just, I, I don't like who I am when I'm around people, I need this courage on the inside of me. Or they're battling with something and they just want to forget about it, you know. They could be sick or, 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 or in pain and they want to numb it physically or emotionally. So there's something going on that they just, they, they want to escape from the reality of their situation somehow. And that's the overarching reason why most people do it. So here are some, as I was doing some research on this, here are some reasons uh, why young people say that they have taken drugs or drank alcohol or whatever. So to fit in, to escape or relax, to relieve boredom, to seem grown up, <laughs> to rebel, to experiment. I remember the first time I, I smoked um, smoke weed. It was just to experiment. And it was kind of to fit in. I didn't like it, though. <laughs> I didn't like it because um, my friend, man, he would smoke it all the time. And um, the thing w with me was, it was like, I don't, I, I can't, I wanted to have fun, right? So I would drink because, you know, it's, it's more of an upper, right? And so smoking weed is more of a, is a downer. 
So when he was smoking, you know, we would be out partying, you know, he'd be like, I'm ready to go home, man. Are you serious, man? We just got here. You ready to go already? I'm ready to go home, man. He <laughs> just like drive me crazy, man. He won't be by himself, and I'm hungry, you know. He won't eat and be by himself. <laughs> I said, man, I can't take no drug that make me want to be by myself. I said, I want to have a good time, you know. So I just never got into that, you know. But but everybody, you know, got their thing, you know. But he used to smoke all the time. But he just would just smoke, and then we'd be out, and he'd be ready to go. <laughs> oh, man, crazy, man. But bottom line is, <laughs> oftentimes people drink, they take drugs, and they believe that it's a solution to the problems of life, especially if they're having a difficult time. And I put here, drugs and alcohol can seem like an escape from the problems of life, but eventually the drugs themselves become the problem, right? And as hard as it may be to face one's problems, the consequences of drugs and alcohol use are always worse than the original problem that the person was trying to escape in the first place. So oftentimes the real foe, it really, the real foe is discouragement and depression. That's usually the real enemy and the reason why people ultimately especially when it's abusive you know the kid is out there messing around it's different but usually when it becomes abusive or something that a person is doing to self-medicate it's usually because of some type of discouragement or depression that they're battling with that usually is the root cause for the drug and the alcohol abuse so I really what I want to talk to you a little bit about today is just um you know, discouragement. And I started to think about that because, you know, the amazing thing is that at this time, right, the holiday season, it's like when the, the devil is, he is like, it's almost like, you know, when, um, when police, they begin to, like, give tickets all the time, and they'd be like, watch out, man, you know, so-and-so police department got a quota that they got to hit, you know, so... Be careful, man. They're just pulling everybody over. You know, they're giving tickets out everywhere, you know. That's kind of what it seems like in a demonic world during this time. It's like the devil is like, all right, you ain't get enough. You ain't wreak enough havoc this year. So you better get out there and start, you know, before this year ends and start, you know, wreaking some havoc. You know, that's what it appears like because people get so attacked with a spirit of discouragement and depression at this time, more than any other time. The time when people are supposed to be the most joyful, right? And supposed to be enjoying the holiday season and stuff like that and really just um, being happy, you know? A lot of people are really battling with discouragement and depression at this time. It's crazy. But it's, it's an attack. It's an onslaught from the enemy, something that the enemy has released at this time in order to make, you know, what is supposed to be a beautiful time a horrible time. And it could be, you know, somebody died, you know, 10 years ago. But every time this season comes around, they died on around Christmas or around whatever, Thanksgiving or, or around New Year's. And every time, you know, this time comes around, they're attacked with these thoughts of this person dying. Or 
a relationship that crumbled or just things that just happened during this time. I had someone reach out to me that, that I mean, their, their car broke down and it was a major breakdown. I pay all of this money for this car and this thing just kind of, you know, it, 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 it brought this, you know, this the discouragement, fe discouraging feeling upon a person. Happens, man. It's things that just go down. You know, things go down in people's lives, especially at this time. And the enemy really just plays on it in, a, in an amplified way. So let's just talk a little bit about discouragement. Um, so in, in uh, Numbers, chapter 21, verses 4 through 5, it's all right. In Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 5, did it stop? Yeah, just go do it again. It's good. It's the devil trying to discourage me. <laughs> yeah, just say it, just go again. So we're just going to pick up on overcoming uh, discouragement. So in Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 5, it says there, And they journeyed from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And it says, And the people became impatient, depressed, or much discouraged because of the trials of the way. And it says, And the people spoke against God, and they spoke against Moses. And they said, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and we loathe this light, unsubstantial manna. <laughs> and I put here, you know, as the Israelites were traveling from Egypt, the land of bondage to the promised land, they had to go through the wilderness to get there. And as they were traveling through the wilderness, the scripture says that they became impatient, they came, became depressed and discouraged because of the trials of the way. And I put here, one of the greatest spirits that you'll have to fight off as a man or woman of God is the spirit of discouragement. As we walk this walk, there are gonna be many challenges, obstacles, trials, tribulations that we're gonna experience. There are also gonna be setbacks and disappointments. With that being said, there are going to be many opportunities to find yourself in a place where you feel you're discouraged because of them. The way is not always easy, and it's going to be a fight all the way to the finish. And you can't let the spirit of discouragement knock you out. You must fight and make, to make it into your promised land. You've got to fight to make it in. And so these, these uh, individuals, they became, because of the way they had to go, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're walking this path and you begin to run into difficulties and you begin to run into challenges and you begin to run into obstacles. You know, you're trying to make it to a destination and you get hit with things and there's roadblocks and there's issues in life and things like that. When things start going down, you can get discouraged because of the way you have to go. And seeing most people if you're, not, if you're not saved, and even saved people, but particularly if you're not saved. See, when you're saved, there's at least a hope there. You know what I'm saying? But even Christians become hopeless. 
So when the world, when you were dealing with people in the world, I mean, they just, they, I mean, when they start going through some things sometimes, they just can't handle it. And they, they don't have God to fall back on. <laughs> but, but what they fall back on is an alcohol bottle. And oftentimes what they fall back on is, you know, drugs. It becomes an artificial, you know, uh, lifeline to them. It becomes something to escape the reality of life, you know. Instead of facing what the challenge is, they begin to use these things so they can just camouflage it, act like, or at least that time is not happening. You know what I'm saying? But the devil is crazy. See, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this tonight because I want you to understand what happens to people. Because there's no way you're going to be able to win people and help people if you don't know why. You know, that's why the Bible says that, you know, God does not want us to be ignorant of the devil's devices. See, he is trying to discourage people. He's trying to cause people to fall into depression. Because ultimate, his ultimate goal is not discouragement and depression. His ultimate goal is, is to kill, to steal, kill, and to destroy. And that's why you see so many people, you know, committing suicide. It, begin, it didn't begin with a suicidal thought. It began with discouragement, which led to depression. And then once he got them there, then he can start talking to them. You, you might as well just take your life. You might as well just take yourself out. See, the devil always works progressively. He doesn't just start off telling you to kill yourself. He starts off with, you know, Look how, how hard life is. Look how difficult it is. Man, how are you going to get through that? You know, I mean, you know, that's how it starts. And then when people start getting discouraged, you know, then he begins to pour it on. So now these people, they, became, they become, become discouraged because of the trials of the way. They're walking this walk. They're walking through a horrible wilderness. Now the presence of God is there, but it's still difficult. It's still a wilderness. You know, they're still waiting for a promised land, and they're walking through a wilderness. So as a result of the way that they have to go, they become discouraged. Then they say they're eating this manna, and they're eating it every day. I mean, anything, I don't care how good it is. If you got to eat it every day for 40 years, <laughs> I mean, I don't care if it's filet mignon, I don't care what it is. If you got to eat it every day, you're going to start you're going to start uh, disliking, hating it, <laughs> you know. I don't care how, how uh, good it tastes. First day they ate it, they was happy to eat it. Forty years later, they're like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm done with this stuff, man. <laughs> I mean, they got happy, man. They, they got upset. They said, there is no bread, <laughs> neither is there water, and we, lo we loathe. <laughs> you don't dislike it. We loathe it. <laughs> I mean, they loathed the manna after a while. So now they're in this situation, man, and they become discouraged. And they begin to speak out against God and against Moses. And he said, you brought us out into this wilderness to kill us, you know. And that's what, you know, people begin to battle even in life. And that's like I said, even Christians. If they, if they are 
walking around the same mountain for a while. And we began to talk about some of the reasons why, of course, people stay in the wilderness. But if they have been brainwashed by, the, by thinking that God is just going to just deliver them without them doing anything, you know, without them having to apply the word or live by the word, just one day God just going to do it. If they have that, that, that mindset, if they believe that, then they're going to be walking around a mountain for a long time. And eventually they're going to be discouraged because of the way. And even if you are walking with God and following the word, discouragement still comes. I get discouraged. I get disappointed with situations. It ultimately, though, is what do you do with it when it comes? Right? When it comes, you got to push that thing off of you. You can't keep, you got you to fight back. You got to break the power of the devil over your mind and your life. And you got to push that thing off. But a lot of people live there. You know, that discouragement comes and they just, they just live there. All right, so let me, let me move along because I want to close in, in just a little bit. So ultimately, what is discouragement? And I put number one, discouragement is an assault on your mind. That's what it is. In Hebrews 12, 3, it says, speaking of Jesus, it says, Just think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. And it says, Reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials. In other words, consider what Jesus had to go through in comparison to what you have to go through. That's what it's saying. So that you, not, you do not grow weary or become exhausted, losing heart, relaxing, and fainting in your minds. See, it says, if you begin, see, whenever you're thinking about your problem, it always seems like the biggest problem in the world. <laughs> I don't care what you're going through. It's always the biggest thing. It's always the biggest thing because you're going through it. And I always say, you know, that, you know, we, we care more about our headache than someone else's cancer. Because we're going through it. It's something that we're battling with. And the scripture is saying, you know, take your, don't focus on what you're going through. Think about for a moment what Jesus had to go through. And everything that he had to battle with. And all he had to struggle with. And all, and all the opposition he had to go through. Now you take that and you compare it to what you have to go through. And it says if you don't do that, then you'll wind up becoming exhausted, and you'll wind up becoming weary and fainting in your mind. See, when somebody becomes depressed, they fainting in their mind, in their mind. So you got people that faint in the natural. That means their body is giving out. But if you faint in your mind, you, can be, you still can be standing. But your mind is giving out. And is giving itself over to discouragement, depression. So it says, if you don't begin to do that, as this devil is assaulting your mind, if you keep, if you keep internalizing it, and you just keep focused on what you're going through, you're going to wind up fainting in your mind. And I put here, see, one of the ways Satan tries to stop believers is by overwhelming them with life. That's one of his main tricks. He wants your mind consumed with every problem and situation that's going on in your life. 
Now, if you're constantly thinking about your problems, you'll begin to be overwhelmed by them. No matter how big or little, if all you think about is what you're going through and your problems, you'll be overwhelmed by the problems. That's why God wants us to think on the word of God. See, the word of God is full of his promises for our life circumstances. It's filled with people that have overcome situations like the ones we're going through and even greater. God also wants you to think about what he's already brought you through, right? And that's what David did when he began to encourage himself in the Lord. See, he began to think about past victories and also future promises. So you got to think about past victories and you got to think about future promises. See, God God has both delivered you from things, but he's also promised you some things that have yet to be fulfilled. So whenever you begin to become discouraged in your mind, you got to begin to put that stuff off of you and you got to start thinking about everything. I, I, I read this great quote recently and it said something to the effect of you have already made it through 100% of your worst days and it said you're doing pretty good. <laughs> If you're still around, you're still standing. You've made it through 100% of your worst days. You have, you have made it through every worst day that you've ever been through. I don't care how bad the day was. If you're still here today, you're still standing, you've made it through it. And that means you're doing pretty good. And just like God has gotten you through all those worst days, he's going to get you through whatever you're going through right now. And that's what you see. You have to remember past victories. And you gotta remit, you gotta be focusing on future successes. And then finally, you know, God wants you to consider what Jesus had to go through. And it says if you compare your trials to his trials, you'll realize how insignificant yours are in comparison. <laughs> you see, the enemy doesn't want you to think on those things. He wants you to be consumed with what you're currently going through. And that's why you just got to push that thing off of you and you cannot let that thing stay on you. So that's number one. Discouragement is an assault on your mind. Number two, discouragement occurs when your plans are delayed. And because they're delayed, they appear to be denied. But delay does not mean denial. In Proverbs 13, 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire is fulfilled, it becomes a tree of life. See, when your hope becomes delayed, you wanted something to happen. You thought something was going to happen at a particular time. You know, like you can make art of, you can make goals for your life. And you can say, by the time I'm 25, I am going to have a million dollars. I don't know. <laughs> You know, you can make these goals, you know, I'm going to do this by the time I'm certain, such and such an age, you know. And then that, that time comes, and, and you, didn't, you didn't hit it. And see, because that hope is deferred, it can begin to make your heart sick. You know, you didn't reach a goal. You, didn't, you wanted to be at a certain place by a certain time. You didn't make it. And now the devil can begin to cause your heart to become sick through that hope being deferred. 
And I put here, many people are sick on the inside because their expectations have been put off. Their heart has become sick. See, Satan wants to rub in your face everything that you hope for that you have not received. He wants to rub it in your face. He'll try to make you believe that you've never, that you're never going to receive what God has promised to. And the longer you have to wait for it, the more discouraged you can become. But again, we must always remember that delay does not mean denial. Just because something has been delayed in your life doesn't mean that it has, it has been denied. Doesn't mean that God had said no. You know, we always, we all have to go through the process. And sometimes we think things are going to happen a certain way and by a certain time. But see, uh, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our, our ways. And oftentimes we want certain things, but God has greater plans for you. His plans are always greater than the ones that we can make up. Always. They're always greater than the ones we, we, we come up with. We come up with, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, you know. But see, God already has plans. He, always, he already has plans for you. He already knows the plans that he has for you, you know. And if, and if we continue to trust him and just, and just follow follow his lead, eventually he'll lead us to that place. I'm sure that, that Joseph didn't think that his life was going to go anywhere. When he got those dreams and he started dreaming about his brothers bowing down before, I, I, I guarantee you he didn't think, I'm going, I'm going to be thrown in a pit. I'm going to go to be, be in Egypt as a slave. You know, I'm, He didn't think about none of that. You know, He thought, I got my coat of many colors on, and I'm just going to be walking in blessings and favor all the days of my life. Well, guess what? He had to go to, he had to be thrown in the pit. He had to go to Egypt, be a slave there, serve in Potiphar's house, be thrown in pit prison as an accused rapist. He had to, you know, he had to go through all that process in order to eventually come out on top. I saw one time, you know, it was like my plans for my life. And it was like this straight line from here to victory. And it, said, and it says God's plans for my life. And then there's all these rocky roads and stuff like that. But it eventually led to the destination, but it was not the way that I would have wanted it to go. And see, if you begin to allow the devil to, you know, overwhelm your mind, put in your, see, I told you. I told you that stuff wasn't true. See, here you are believing God, man, and, you know, you ain't make it. You thought this was going to happen. You thought this business was going to be a success. You thought this was going to go down. And See, ain't none of that stuff true. See, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to cause your heart to become sick through your hope being deferred. But you got to keep pressing through and, and, and just understand that, again, delay does not mean denial. Number three, disappointment is a feeling, Right? It's an emotional response to a failed expectation. That's what disappointment is. But that being said, failed expectation is the root cause for all disappointment. Unfortunately, since we attach expectation to almost everything in life, we, always, we constantly open up ourselves to frequently being disappointed. 
Because if you ever have a hope or, you know, something that you're wanting to achieve, something that you want to get, if you, have, if you have anything that you're trying to lay hold of, you're opening up yourself to disappointment or to the possibility of being disappointed. And I put here, failed relationships can make us disappointed in life. A failed business opportunity can make us disappointed. Anything that doesn't work out the way that you expected it to work out can be a source of disappointment for you. If things don't work out exactly like you planned them, it can become a source of disappointment in your life and a source of discouragement as a result of that. Because we tie everything that we do is tied to an expectation. I'm going to do this, and this is going to happen. I'm going to go for this job. I'm sitting and getting on this job interview. This is the job I want. When I sit down, I'm going to get it. You know, so you're expecting it. And then when it doesn't happen, you open up the door to disappointment. I'm going to try to do this business, man. I'm going to get this business going, man. When I do it, I'm just going to be such a blessing for my family. I'm going to make all of this money. And, you know, and then you start doing it. If it don't work out exactly like you planned it, then you open up yourself for disappointment. And I put here, see, now these disappointments can lead to discouragement. So with that being said, should we go through life having no expectations? You know? If we did that, we can avoid disappointment. You know? And that's what a lot of people do. They just say, you know, if, if I don't expect anything, then I can't get disappointed. Right? I mean, because that's the only reason why you get disappointed, because you, you wanted something that you didn't get. So if I don't want anything out of life, if I don't expect anything out of life, then I can avoid disappointment altogether. I don't never have to be disappointed again, because I'm not expecting anything. That's what here. See, you know, again, if you weren't expecting anything, you can't be disappointed. So, of course, of course not, right? Of course, that's not the best way to live life <laughs> because the level of a person's joy is determined by their level of expectation. Joyful expectation is really hope. And without hope, a person begins to die on the inside. Joyful expectation is our life support. This is why many people are existing and not living. They have no expectation. So they're just existing in life. They're not living it. They're not enjoying it. They're just existing. So I put here the two main culprits then for disappointment in life are people and circumstances. Right? When people don't turn out to be the person that they claim to be, you're disappointed by them. And I put here, oftentimes God will allow people to disappoint you to show that ultimately he's the only one that you'll ever be able to account on totally and the only person that will never disappoint you in life. And then circumstances are constantly changing and that's why they can often disappoint you. So these are the main culprits for disappointment. You know, people 
and circumstances. So, when you find yourself experiencing discouragement, the most vital thing that you can do is you have to guard your heart from the poison of that discouragement. Because again, the, the, the worst thing to do is, in life is not have any expectation. You must have expectation if you want to live a fulfilled life. You got to expect things. And which means you got to open up yourself for disappointment. Because <laughs> you're not going to get everything that you expect out of life. It's not always going to go your way. But all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to the called according to his purpose. So while all things are not good that happen to you, God somehow makes all things that you go through work together for good. So what you have to do in life is you have to guard your heart from the disappointment and from the discouragement. In Proverbs uh, 4.23, it says, keep or guard or protect your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So you got to protect your heart from the poison that discouragement is trying to put in it. In Proverbs 15.13, it says, a, a glad heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. When you have a sorrowful heart, your spirit, is, your spirit can become broken. Now, in Proverbs 15, 15, it says, all the days of the desponding or those that are unhappy, having lost confidence and being of low spirits. It says all of their all of their days are afflicted. Or in other words, they are in pain and are in suffering and they are made evil by anxious thoughts. And fear that something bad will happen. But he who has a glad heart has a continual feast. So it says all the days of those that have lost their confidence, they are plagued with the thought that something bad is going to happen in life. They're constantly plagued with that thought, something evil is going to happen to me. It says, but he that has a glad heart has a continual feast regardless of their circumstances. See, if you can keep your heart free from the poison of disappointment and discouragement, it says that you can always have a feast on the inside, <laughs> regardless of what you're going through. And then in Proverbs 17, 22, it says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Mm -mm -mm. And finally, Proverbs 18, 14 says, the spirit of a man will sustain his affirmity but a wounded spirit who can bear. And that just shows us how strong our, our spirit is. See, if your spirit is strong, it can hold up a physically weak body. But if your spirit is broken, I don't care if you're a muscle-bound person. <laughs> your, your physical body cannot hold up a broken spirit. If you get broken in your spirit, you're, you're done with life. That's why you got you to gotta, you gotta guard your heart because the, the devil wants to put the poison of disappointment and discouragement into your heart so that he can break your spirit. And I put here, see, these, these scriptures tell the story of what can happen if you don't guard your, and protect your heart from the spirit of discouragement. 
As I've said before, your mind has a direct link to your heart. Whatever you think on in abundance will seep into your heart. And if it gets into your heart, it will begin to come out of your mouth because out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak, which leads to, of course, destruction in your life through the spoken word. So it's all a process. The devil is trying to work on your mind so that he can have it poison your heart so that you can begin to poison your life through the words you speak. It's all a process. He's working it, man. He, he's, he's, a, he's a tactician. You know, he knows where to start. The battleground is always in the mind. So I put here as my fifth point that the best thing that you can do when you're discouraged is to just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> That's the best thing you can do. If you, can't, if you cannot speak the right things, don't say nothing. Because when you're discouraged, you'll begin to speak trash out of your mouth. You know, we tell somebody's discouraged because they're just talking trash out their mouth. You know, they're talking about how bad everything is and what's going on. And, and what all they're doing is putting fuel on the fire. Again, you know these scriptures, Proverbs 18, 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And the good news translation, it says you have to live with the consequences of everything that you say. What you say can preserve life or destroy it. So you must accept the consequences of your words. And I put here, we must never forget that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And the reason the devil wants to discourage you is because he realizes that he does not have power to curse you himself. He realizes that the only way to stop you is to get you to stop yourself. He begins with discouraging you because he wants you to curse your future with your mouth. For example... When the Israelites got discouraged, they began to speak against God, and they began to speak against Moses, the man of God. They began to say, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? And see, if you want to know, if you know the story, you know that even though God intended to bring them into the promised land, their words hindered the promise of God in their lives, and they eventually had to eat what they were saying. They all died in the wilderness because that was the confession of their mouth. They began to keep saying that, and then eventually God says, I'm going to give you what you say. Now you're going to have to live with it. And I put here, that's what happens when we begin to speak out of a heart of discouragement. We curse what God is trying to bless us with. <laughs> God is trying to get you somewhere. He's trying to bless you. But when you get discouraged, you begin to speak this trash out of your mouth, and then God can't give you what he intended to give you. Number six, I put here, never make major decisions when you're discouraged. Never. When you're discouraged, you never see things as they are. You see things as you are. Never forget that. Whenever you're discouraged, you never see things how they actually are. You see things how you are. So when you're discouraged, you're bound to make a poor decision because you're not seeing things clearly. It's like looking at life through a dirty glass or with foggy lenses. Life looks blurry and marred, and your feelings have distorted the way you see life. 
You're not seeing things clear enough to make a wise decision, especially a major decision. For example, Sarah, Sarah, when she was disappointed because she was barren for many years, she decided to help God bring it to pass. She asked Abraham to be with her Egyptian maid, Hagar. And as you know, that turned out to be one of the biggest mistakes that she ever made in her life. See, when you begin to never make a, never make a major decision, when you're feeling discouraged, always wait until you have prayed that thing off of you before you start making decisions for your life. Because you'll always make a poor decision when you're discouraged. And I put here, as we get ready to close, feeling disappointed is not a sin. But how you handle the disappointment is what becomes key. The amazing thing is that of all the great patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all of their wives were barren at the beginning. All of them. That's because when you're going uh, to birth greatness, the devil always attack you in the beginning and try to get you to give up. If you're going to birth anything that's great, the devil will always stop it from, from, try to stop it from happening. When Moses was born, I mean, Moses was the target. He, he knew that a, that a deliverer was going to be born. He didn't know who it was, but he knew one was being born. So he went after every male child to try to kill him. Same thing happened with Jesus. Jesus was being born. <laughs> they sent out, you know, a decree to kill every male child. See, because the devil knew something great was being birthed, and he was trying to stop it from happening. So whenever, whenever you're trying to birth or about to birth something great, the devil will always try to attack it. And I put here, this also happened with Hannah, who eventually gave birth to the great prophet Samuel. It happened with Elizabeth. She was barren for many years before she birthed John the Baptist. Uh, Jesus himself said that John the Baptist was the greatest man ever born by a woman, prophet-wise. Job, who went through nine months of pain and torment without any answers. Thank God he never cursed God and died. God restored him and gave him twice as much. Joseph, he was sold into slavery by his brother. See, whenever, whenever God is trying to do something great and the devil gets a whiff of it, he tries to send out a, a barrage of whatever he can to try to put an end to it. And if you don't allow him to, he won't be able to. But he will try to stop it from happening. And that's what you got to realize. So feeling disappointed, you know, being disappointed, that's, that's, that's not sin because it happens to everybody. It's how you handle it and how you deal with it. And I put here finally, number eight, disappointment and discouragement is only the beginning of the process. And if you don't overcome and deal with disappointment and the feeling of discouragement, it will go deeper and it will eventually lead to depression and then to despair, which is a complete loss or absence of hope. And when hope is gone, the will to live will begin to flee from you. So you got to learn how to handle it personally in your lives, but you also need to understand 
that this is what's happening in many people's lives today. People are greatly discouraged. They're battling. And we have to realize that this is what's going on in their life and realize that this is something very real to people. As we begin to get out there and begin to minister to people and to see, it gives you ammunition because now you know what you need to pray for. Now you need to know, now you know what to, you know, begin to see. People need to be encouraged because they're discouraged. People need to be encouraged. People need to hear that they can make it. People need to hear that they can get ready to, that they don't have to live a life of despair. People need to know. So we just got to stay focused, man. You know, we're going to hit the, an area that is battling drugs, alcohol, addiction. And again, the reason why they're experiencing these things is because a lot of them are battling with discouragement and depression. And again, we have the answer. We have the, we have the hope. We have the encouragement to begin to share with people. So just lift your hands to Jesus. We're going to close right here. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, oh God, we just want to thank you. We worship you. We bless you. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We worship you. We magnify you. We adore you. We lift you up. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. Father, we want to thank you for this message tonight. We want to thank you for speaking to us, for giving us a word in season. I'm praying, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, that we receive this word tonight. Not just for people that we're going to minister to, but also for us personally. Because as I was ministering tonight, we all are attacked with the feeling of disappointment, with the spirit of discouragement. But now that we know what the devil is trying to do in our lives, let us use, this, use it as ammunition against the enemy to fight him off of our lives personally, to fight him off the lives of our family members, our friends that are battling with discouragement, depression, and help us to use it when we begin to minister to people in the streets when we get ready to go to our new place. There are a lot of people right now that are struggling, that are suffering, that are discouraged, that are disappointed, that are depressed with their lives. And as a result, they're using drugs, alcohol. They're using these things to cope with life. They're using them to escape from life. We pray that you'll put in our mouths the word of deliverance. That you will use us mightily to be a great blessing to many people. Armed with this wisdom, let us hit the streets ready to release people from the depression and misery that they're experiencing. And Father Ford, we just want to thank you we give you all the praise. We glorify you. We thank you for giving us this wisdom. We thank you for giving us this insight. 
so that we can be used to bless a great many people. And for it, Father, we thank you and we give you praise. We give you glory and we give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's just give Jesus a praise. devil trying to attack my thing tonight crazy man somebody's calling me or something messing me up all right we're gonna worship God here with tithes and offerings as we get to close we close here tonight that will try to attack my podcast. <laughs> but he's not going to discourage me. <laughs> I'm disappointed by that, but that's all right. <laughs> that's what I got to do. Do not disturb. Hmm? You got another idea? All right. Come on, let's just worship God. We're going to worship God with tithes and offering, special giving. We're going to get ready to get out of here. You know, tithes and offerings go in this envelope. You don't write a check, you do it to the love of Jesus. We all know. Let's go ahead and do that. Let me remind you that Saturday, um, 7 o'clock, we're going to meet here so we can. Uh, get the toys and everything together for the kids. Looks like I'm going to have to go get a couple of things. Um, so we're going to do that. I need to know if uh, you guys are bringing anybody, if you got family or any, anybody like that that's going to come, any children, cousins, nieces, whatever. We need to know about it so that we can prepare adequately for it. So just make sure that you, uh, that you let us know. And um, let's go ahead and just bless God, and we'll go ahead and get out of here. Glory. Today is Thursday. Yeah. So Saturday at 7 o'clock, we'll do that. So if you can come, that would be great. And we'll get everything together, make it nice and beautiful. We're going to go ahead and get out of here. Let's get everything set up. We're gone. Stand up on your feet. Let me bless you. We're done. All right. Father, we thank you for this offering. Bless it. Cause your people to be blessed. 
Shower them with the blessings in favor of God. Give them more than enough where there is no lack. And Father, for we just thank you and bless you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, stand up on your feet. Let me bless you. We'll get out of here. bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you, be gracious and merciful and kind to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, grant you his holy peace in Jesus' matchless name. I want you to say I'm blessed and I can't be cursed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.